0: Oh, that is tough to follow right there. Man. Thanks, Pastor Chad. Jamie, you can go. Guys, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine here, and some of you might know him, some of you might not, because actually uh, a lot of Sunday mornings, uh, Jamie is, uh, Jamie norstock here is working in our children's ministry department. But Jamie and I have been friends now for quite a few years, and Jamie has a, an amazing story that I want you guys to know about today, because we're going to be talking about Project Ignite Light, we're going to be talking about children of abuse, and uh, Jamie, you have an amazing yet difficult story of neglect uh, in your life, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to just kind of share a few things about, kind of just, just fill the congregation in on, on some of the things that kind of you went through and uh, how God walked you through some of that stuff.
1: Okay, Um, well, uh, my sister Ashley and I, um, well, first off, I guess, to start, uh, my birth mom, she had left my dad when she was pregnant with me. She didn't know she was pregnant with me, and then that's when she moved up from Texas to uh, southern Idaho. Um, And then from there, um, it all really went downhill. Um, She had a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol, and her boyfriend was, uh, very, uh, physically and sexually abusive to my sister and I, and, uh, my mom would leave us at my grandma Shirley's, uh, for extended periods of time just because she would want to go off and party and mm. whatnot, and, uh, so we went from being abused with my mom and her boyfriend to being very neglected because my grandma was an alcoholic and uh, to binge drink. And so that would end up leaving my two-and-a-half-year-old sister to take care of me. Mm. Uh, Now, I'm not quite sure how CPS got involved. Uh, Somehow they got alerted. And when I was about a year old, that's when uh, CPS came and took my sister.
0: Jamie, you you told me a little bit about kind of the, you you were told later on what that night kind of was like. What, what was that? What, what did, what kind of situation was surrounding that when, when you guys were actually removed from that abusive and neglective situation?
1: Um, Well, what happens is, and and my sister has really good memories of it because she was two years older than I am, um, is uh, CPS comes in, but they cannot take you. It has to be the police. So the police came in and took my sister and I. And uh, we, we had no idea what was going on. Uh, we, we knew that our situation was unsafe before, but at least there were some familiarities. And um, all of a sudden, the uh, police come and take us away. We don't know who they are. We don't know what's going on. We didn't have time to pack anything. It was, Sure. they came in, they grabbed us, they left. And, and your grandparents at that point? They were they were physically passed out while mm. while we were taken away. They were unconscious. So when they came to, that's when. And you guys were,
0: were what age at that point again? I
1: was a year, and my sister was three. Mm.
0: So. And that night, you told me when you guys that um, you as as an infant had a difficult time going to sleep that night. Can yeah. You? So tell me what your sister did there.
1: So I was. Um, We were in Idaho City, um, and then we were put into the foster home in Boise, and we were in separate rooms, and I was pretty terrified at the whole thing. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I was in a room with um, people I didn't know, and so I was crying, and my sister, after the foster parents went to sleep, this was our first night in that home. They came in, uh, my sister snuck in and crawled into bed with, and she laid with me until I was asleep. And then after I fell asleep, she just kept on saying Boise, Boise, Boise over again. Because that's all she could focus on. Because they, all they said was, you're going to Boise. Hmm. And so um, after that, that just put my sister and I into a survival mode.
0: Sure. You know, Jamie, you were telling me about um, growing up kind of in somewhat of that system that that there were many times when you had to move place to place, and the only, um, the only thing that you had to kind of carry the things that you had accumulated is they would just pile all of your things in a trash bag and kind of hand it to you, and, and you would head to the next place. Kind of tell me a little bit about that and what, that, what the feelings were that you had when, when stuff like that would happen.
1: Yeah, um, so we, we, we um, moved around from plate foster home to foster home. Until we finally landed in the one that we stayed in for the longer period of time. And um, all we had was a trash bag. Um, the, our foster parents gave us a, a trash bag, and that's what we put our stuff in. Um, because we didn't, we didn't have a suitcase. We didn't have a backpack. We didn't have any belongings to start with, because when we were taken away, we were taken with nothing. So sure. we started with the, with the clothes on our back. And... Um, When you're taken away from your family, it's really hard because as a child, you try to ignore the abuse because it's still your mom. It's still your grandma. Sure, yeah. Um, And so when people you don't know come and take you away, it's a very traumatizing thing. And um, so then you feel like, why? I'm not good enough. Why didn't they want me? Um, And then when you're given all you're given is a trash bag to put your stuff in that's, that symbolizes your worth. Mm. Um, your stuff is only trash um, and you're only trash. Mm. That's, that's all, all you're worth
0: to anyone. You know, Jamie, we don't have, we don't have a, a lot of time this morning to go into your whole story, but it is absolutely amazing. Guys, Jamie teaches on Wednesday nights to our students and he uh, teaches on Sunday mornings as well, a lot of the times, helping Pastor Lisa. He's really a, a strong teacher here and pouring into the next generation. And uh, a lot of that is because you're, you were adopted at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that you told me in your story that I, I don't know if I'll ever forget, you, you kind of, and, and I'll probably say it wrong, but you can correct me. Um, but you said, you know, when my adoptive family introduced me to Jesus, I kind of already knew who he was. I just never really knew his name. Can you explain that statement to everybody?
1: Well, you know, we, we weren't in any Christian foster homes. Um, up until the point we were adopted, I never had a concept of who God was. I never saw a Bible. Um, but the entire time, it didn't matter what I was going through, um, whether or not we were we moved to a different home or we were being abused, I always felt this overwhelming sense of protection and comfort over me and that in the end It's going to be all right. I had no idea why I just had this Thing inside me and it wasn't until after we were adopted and my my folks are christian and When they said that jesus loves you and my sister and like, okay, who's jesus and why does he love me? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so when they um when they explained it to me, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay. Wow. And so I think that's been part of, like, my guiding thing throughout life is even though I didn't know who God was, even though I didn't know that he was there for me, I, I still knew it because he, he was.
0: And um, it didn't matter what I went through. That's awesome. Hey, would you guys give Jamie a hand for coming and sharing these things this morning? <laughs> Thank you. Thank also- you. Guys, we're going to be talking this morning about a sensitive topic um, of abuse, and, uh, and Project Ignite Light, each year, thanks Jesse, each year Project Ignite Light has come uh, to us, and, uh, and they help people very similar to Jamie's story. And uh, they give them something so that they can feel value and worth that they don't have to carry around all of their belongings in a, in a trash bag or something like that. That they, they give them uh, a blanket that covers over them and makes them feel uh, that presence that Jamie felt over his life for, for many, many years saying, man, I didn't know who Jesus was. But when they finally said, he goes, well, that makes sense. He's always been with me. I could know, I, knew, I knew there was somebody. I knew somebody was looking out for me even though there were difficult things that were going on in my life. You know what, guys? <clears throat> I don't know where every person in this room has been in their lifetime. Chances are that there have been a lot of people in this room that you have gone through difficult things that you probably would not want to stand on this stage and share. But I want you to understand that through all of those things there is a God that desperately loves you. He cares about you deeply. And I'd like to introduce you to him today, as well as tell you about all of the children that we can impact with the gospel in in the next week or so. Would you pray with me this morning before we look to God's word? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have today, Lord. God, I thank you for putting your hand upon Jamie. God, and using him continuously Now, Lord Jesus, to impact many, many kids with the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you placed your hand upon him from the moment of his conception through now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have placed your hand upon other people in this room, God. And though many of them, maybe today, might feel like they have ignored you up until this point in their life, I pray today, God, somehow you would press into their hearts today. God, I also pray for all of the kids that will be affected by Project Ignite Light. God, that we can help and come alongside that ministry to help children who sense lostness, who sense hurt, who sense things that they shouldn't have sensed. And God, we're praying that you would help us to come alongside that ministry and really bless children in a special way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning our message is going to be a little bit backwards today, guys. Normally I start with God's Word and we kind of work through that and then I share a little bit of application. This morning I want to share with you some application things to begin with. And then we're going to look at God's Word because God's Word really ties things up powerfully this morning. And I really believe that God wants to speak to you personally through His Word today. Jamie's story is a story of hope. Of God watching over him despite the great challenges that came before him. You know what guys, there are thousands of children each year that face very similar challenges that Jamie has. Children that go to child advocacy centers, go to emergency rooms all over our state, all over Minnesota, South Dakota. And they go to them because they've been either neglected, physically abused, or sexually abused. And in very severe cases, as Pebbles has documented different times, many times the children of of extreme sexual abuse, their clothing has to be taken as evidence to prove a person guilty of sexual abuse. So at times there were children who have been violated, then they have to be brought into the advocacy center and, and actually be physically checked. And I know this is really uncomfortable, and I'm sorry I have to be so graphic, but I feel it's very necessary for you to understand how important the things that we do for these children are. When they get to that place, many times they have to be physically checked over, and that, again, is a traumatizing situation for them. They try and do the best that they can to, you know, make sure that the children are physically okay and all of those kind of things. And, but there are times where they do have to take their clothing. At that point, before Project Ignite Light, at many of the advocacy centers around our region, our three or four state region, They would actually take the children and they would put them in a hospital gown and they would send them to the next place that they needed to go to be safe. When Pebbles heard this, she said, this can't happen anymore. We've got to do something. She began to say, what could we give these kids? And so she began to build these packages where at first it was just on her dining room table where they would just... Get little packages, backpacks, or bags, and they would put pajamas in them, and they would put, you know, uh, kids' delicates in in there, and and all of those kind of things, and then they would sit around their table, and they would cut, and they would hand-tie a fleece blanket, and they would put it in these bags. And they would send it to the nearest advocacy center so that when children had to be come in and checked out, they could pull this brand new bag of things out and give it to the child. And they would have things that they could own for themselves. They could feel worth as they carried these things out. And they could have a brand new pair of pajamas that if necessary, they could put on right there and feel dignity and and clothed and covered. And then they would take that fleece blanket and they would lay under it at night, covered over, feeling safe, secure, that they were somewhere where they were going to be okay and those things weren't going to happen to them anymore. Guys, I think about these situations and they absolutely break my heart. I'm so thankful for ministries like Project Ignite Light and and people like Pebbles and Darren Thompson. And as they hand these bags of hope and bags of love out to these children... You know, over the last four years as a church, we've been involved in this ministry, and every year we ask them to come back again. Actually, now we have other churches asking me, saying, when's Pebbles and Darren coming back? When's Project Nightlight coming back? When's the blanket thing happening again? And guys, over the last four years, our church, along with other churches in this community, have cut and tied and paid for over 2,650 blankets. That's amazing. And that's, it's hard because at first, a few people wanted to clap and we want to clap because that's great. It's an incredible accomplishment. It's amazing. The sad part is that of those 2,650 blankets that we tied, 2,650 of them went to Children of Abuse hundred percent. In fact, many, 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 many more bags of hope went out apart from the ones that we did. And when I think about these things, I think about how important this ministry is. And you know, I'm kind of weird. I know that. You know, it's okay. You guys can. When people, yeah, it's okay. It's. I, I get it. I get it. It's. It's just my burden to bear. (laughs) But you know what, guys? There are a lot of people that would think, well, when you cut and tie these fleece blankets for children of abuse, what they would say is, that's a really nice thing to do. But I look at it as something vastly different than a nice thing to do. You see, guys, I believe that when we take these blankets that we have cut, and this year we're going to cut again and, and help children of abuse, We take these blankets and we stack them and stack blankets this high in piles of blankets and blankets and blankets. At the end of the day when we've tied all of them, we lay our hands on them and we pray for those blankets. And what we pray is we pray this, that God, your Holy Spirit would so rest on these blankets that when they cover these children who have been abused, that you would sever their past from their future. I believe wholeheartedly that these blankets are supernatural. I believe with all of my heart, just like in the book of Acts, when they took the handkerchiefs of Paul, the apostle, and they would take them and they would give them to people and they would be healed. I believe the same thing happens with those blankets. I believe that there are 2,650 different Children who have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one day, I'm not done yet. Hold on, you'll clap after this part. One day, I believe one day someone will introduce them to Jesus. And they'd say, Jesus loves me? Oh, that's his name. I sensed his presence all these years watching over me. Guys, when we started doing this, honestly, I really thought it was about the children. And at first, it really was. It was about, how many blankets can we cut for these children? We're going to help them and all of these. And then it brought such incredible unity to our church. And it brought such momentum to not only our church, but then when other churches got involved. And I thought, man, it started impacting not just our church but all of our city. And there are people who don't even attend church that would begin to get involved in this. And it just got to be an incredible event, guys. And Gabe Lyons, in his book, The Next Christians, wrote it this way. He says, "When when communities serve together, they experience connection and purpose and are reminded that life is not about them. Serving is one of the clearest ways the concept of restoration begins to manifest itself in the world. Isn't that powerful? That when communities get together, when communities, they experience these connection and purpose and all of these things, but not only that, they come to a realization that service is not about them, but rather it's about other people. And while they're serving, there's the clear concept of restoration. So, I want to talk to you about the amazing event that we're going to be having this Saturday and Sunday. Like we, Pebbles talked about, Pastor Chad talked about, and so I'm going to talk about one more time. This Saturday from 1 to 6, if you already have plans, change them. I, I, know, I know there are things come up and people work, I understand that. But I would just say that if you have the opportunity, prioritize this in your schedule, would you? Would you be willing to come and help us, especially on Saturday? It's very important. I know Randall's here. I saw you earlier. Randall and I, we cut till our fingers were blistered one year together, him and I. We cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. And we laughed and we smiled and we loved every minute of it. Guys, this is an incredible ministry opportunity for us to make people have value and worth And love and sense the presence of God. Then on Sunday at 10.30, we're going to gather together. And if you have not been to a citywide Project Ignite Light rally here in Watford City, you're missing out because every year we begin to sing songs across denominational lines. People are raising their hands. They're worshiping God. And they're loving Jesus with all their heart. And it is the most incredible thing that I have seen in Watford City. That it doesn't matter about the church walls anymore. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about him being glorified and honored. And it's about him impacting children who desperately need help. It's a powerful, powerful moment. You see, guys, I guess the question that we really have to ask ourselves this morning is this. Does God really love? Or, well, maybe let's not even use the word love. Does God really care about these children? I mean, think about it. If God really cared, why wouldn't he step in and stop these things from happening? That's a hard question to answer, isn't it? But you know what? We think about that a lot in our own lives. Well, if God really cared about me, why would I go through all the yuck and all of the brokenness, and all of the stuff that I've ended up going through. I mean, I really shouldn't have had to deal with all of those things. Where was God on that one? Taking a nap? What was going on there? You see, guys, I want to share with you this morning how much God not only loves children of abuse who live in a broken world, But also, how much God really loves you. This morning, if you look in your row, probably it's on the backs of the chairs, the front row, you're going to have a tough time finding these. But there's probably one black marker. Could you just grab that, someone from your row, grab that black marker. And once you grab it, just raise it up so I can see that you guys have it in here. They're black, so I won't be able to see them anyway because if you can't read your Bible, right? This is what I want you to do. Okay, this is an illustration. You guys got one in the front row here? Good. What I need you to do is I need you to take that. Share. You know, we're Christians here. Share with the front row if they don't have. Oh, they do have one. Okay. What I need you to do is I need you to take this black marker, the first person that has it. I need you to write your name on your palm like this. Sheldon. S-H-E-L-D-O-N. If you have a long name like Sheldon, I pity you. If you had Chad, then you he, will be okay. Or DJ or something like that. Okay, so do that. Write your hand, and I want you to pass it down the row, and I want everyone in the room to write your name on your palm like this. Okay, can you do that real quick? Each person, if you forget how to spell it, just pass on the marker. <laughs> That should happen pretty quickly. We're doing it pretty good. Everybody's smelling like marker real quick. Now, I want you to take the same marker, which I almost lost there. And I want you to take it, and I want you to write something on your other palm, and then I want you to pass it back. What I want you to write is I want you to write... A giant question mark. Now, it's going to be offhanded, so it's going to be tough, but that's what I want you to write, okay? I want you to write a question mark on the other hand. Okay, so is everybody doing this? If your row is not doing this, make them stand up, okay? (laughs) No, I'm just, (laughs) just kidding. If someone said, I'm not touching that marker, I'm not doing that. Everybody doing this? Are we passing these around? Make sure, yeah, yeah. Hey, once you do that, just why don't you just... Give me a ten sign that you did it. You got it done. Okay. Oh, this. These, hey, you guys get tens. This section right here. You guys get free coffee at at the coffee bar in the kitchen here after. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got it. Did Rachel get it? I need. Yep. Yeah. All right. Guys, this is the scripture that God laid on my heart this morning. Very very few times will I take a scripture from the Old Testament and cross lay it over in our lives if it's directly speaking to Israel or something like that. But today, I felt very, very strongly that the Holy Spirit would have me share this scripture verse with you as individuals today. This is what it says. David, can you put it up there? Isaiah 49, verse 15. It says, never, exclamation mark. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. God goes on to say in the next verse, See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Guys, many people look at their lives and they think, because of all of the things that they have done, that God somehow hates them, that God is angry with them, that God would want nothing to do with them. Look at my life. Look at all of the things that transpired. If there truly is a God, He must hate me. This scripture verse is in direct opposition to your thinking today. In fact, the scripture says here that, see, I have written your name on the palms of your hands. Actually, it's not the Hebrew word written like we have written. It's actually the Hebrew word carved. As if to take a sharp instrument and engrave your name on the palms of his hands. Love. But why on the palms of his hands? I mean, when you think about it, if God is a strong God, then he stands like this, or, or he he's a, a man of power and he's a, a god of nobility, and never would anyone see the palms of his hands, unless he were doing this. As a father reaching down for a young child in love. So that as he looks at his hands, what does he see? He sees your name. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely mind-blowing when you think about all of the difficulty? Listen, I want you to understand that just because you had a difficult life and all of the things that you have gone through, I'm not saying that that doesn't hurt, and I'm not trying to negate all of those things, but I want you to understand we all live in the same broken world. And that's why Jesus came, was to fix a world that was drastically broken. And that's what God's love is like. He's saying, listen, even a mother can't, can't disown his child, but even if the mother did, I won't. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. That's how great my love is for you. How great is the Father's love for us. Guys, I had you write that on the palm of your hand because you know what? This week, you'll probably forget about the things that I said this week and you'll just go on your your regular week. But I want you to understand that as you're going through your regular week, this probably won't stay on there for a long time, maybe a day, maybe two. But as you're going through your daily motions, I want you to see how many times that God thinks about you. Because you're going to be filing paper somewhere or doing something and all of a sudden you're going to see your name written on the palm of your hand and you're going to go, you're going to remember, you know what, maybe right now God's thinking about me. Maybe God is in in the midst of, God writes these things in Scripture so that we can understand that as we're going through our life and we see, man, there's something on my hand here and it reminds us of of how much God loves us. Guys, I, that's why I asked you to do this. It may seem odd. It may seem weird. Why would someone ever do something like that? Make you write it write on your hand. And, but the thing of it is here, guys, is if there's some way that I can help you track further down than, than leaving the four walls of this building, that somehow you could understand in each moment of every day, if somehow you could look at your hand and realize how much God loves you, it would be worth it. You see, guys, no matter how much pain you have endured in this broken world, God loves you, and he has you written on the palms of his hands. So why the question mark, Pastor Sheldon? Why would you have us write a question mark? Well, the question mark represents all of the children that have gone through difficult situations that desperately need to know how much God loves them. The kids that need to know that God has their name written on the palm of his hand. Guys, the question mark really is asking you a question this morning. I believe that God wants to ask you today. It's, will you be His hands to a broken and hurting world? Will you be God's hands to them? Will you be the one that's willing to go out and and reach out to them and show them how much God loves them? Will you help the children that we help at Project Ignite Light, will you uh, be their light in darkness? And as they cover up with, with the blanket, would, would you be the one that, that hand cut that blanket and, and said, God, I just pray that you would touch this young life and that, God, you would you would minister to them in a special way, that, Father, you would reach down your love to these children. That maybe as they cover up with that blanket, maybe as they have that little flashlight that they're given and they they turn it on underneath that blanket and they sense the presence of God and they hear the voice of God saying, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for a child she has born? But even if that were possible, and even if you're hurt or you've been abused or neglected, I won't forget you. I've written you on the palms of my hands. Guys, would you listen to God's heart for these children? Would you listen to God's heart for your life today? Many times, no fault of ours, our lives become broken and wrecked. And God can use individuals like us minister to people who are hurting and broken. He can use us to use our hands to make a difference in this world. Some of you might say today, Pastor Sheldon, you're just playing on our emotions. I am. Absolutely. I want you to be stirred today. I absolutely want your heart to feel like it's going to break inside of your chest when you think about these young children. I want you to feel the heart of God for these kids see for so long, guys we, we have this mechanism inside of our heart when we when we open up emotionally, when we open up to things that we think are so wrong and we say those things should never happen, what we try and do is we try and hide the pain that we have inside and we cover it up and we just want to leave we want to turn the channel when we see the children that are starving in Africa we don 't want to see those things we don 't want to hear about the children of abuse don 't talk about that that 's not something we want to Listen to. Can I tell you what a true Christian does in those moments? He opens up his chest and he allows the pain to change him. He embraces the pain in that moment and says as painful as this is, I will allow it to do something in my heart. It will will allow it to make me do something. Allow me not to just sit here and be numb any longer to all of the things that are going on in the world and allow all of the atrocities to continue around me and just be numb and hide in my little bubble and just if I can ignore my neighbors and just go about doing my business and pad my bank account and do all of these things and hide from the hurt. Listen, God is calling. Out to you today, embrace the pain, love it, hold it close, don't look the other way, don't change the channel. God is calling out to you to make a difference in this world, God is calling out to every person in this room. He's saying, he's crying out to you. Your life is not a waste. I desperately love you and I desperately love everyone on this planet. Would you go to them? Would you be my hands and my feet? Would you be my mouthpiece of love to them? God calls out to you. Embrace the pain. Don't look the other way. Are you willing to do it, guys? See, the question mark was Are you willing to reach? Are you willing to do something? Guys, the last thing I want you to understand is Why did God send His Son? The world that he had created so beautifully and perfect had sinned and had spun out of control to a place where the world that once that he created now rejected him completely. And full of sin and brokenness and all of the wicked things that are going on in our world right now. Rejecting God completely. Yet the Bible says that for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. What that meant was his love propelled him into action. For God so loved the world that he gave. He did something about the situation. For God so loved the world that he gave Not something simple. Not something like, oh, just write a check. No big deal. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That verse is the gospel of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. It's that God's love compelled him to action. My question for you this morning is this. Are you willing to allow the love of God to so fill your heart that it compels you to action, that you no longer live your life the same, but you would live it drastically different? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just want to close the message this way today. Maybe you're here this morning. I feel this is really important today. I think there's probably people in this room that you've gone through a lot of difficult things in your life and maybe you walked into this room believing that you had very little value today that you were worthless that you were neglected maybe you've been abused in some way I'm not going to point you out I'm not going to embarrass you in any way shape or form this morning but you had no idea how much God loved you that you had no idea as you look at your own hand right now Just look at it right now. You had no idea that God had your name written on the palm of his hand. That's how much he loves you. Maybe you came in here and you you had no concept of that today. Can I express to you right now in this moment, God is calling out to you to surrender your life to him. To just maybe say a simple prayer that would go like this. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. God, I've gone my own way and I've done my own thing for a long time and I've made a wreck of it. Because we all do. And you just simply say, God, will you forgive me? God, will you come into my life and be my God? I'm not going to serve myself anymore. I want to serve you. And my life is not about what I can accomplish, but rather about what you can accomplish through me. Your plan and your purpose. Would you come into my life and forgive me of my sin? Amen. Amen. Sometimes we make it to be so hard. But when a God has your name tattooed on the palm of his hand, it's really not that hard. Because none of us can do enough, none of us can earn enough credit to ever get to the place where God would forgive us. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross for us. So this morning, guys, if, you, if we could have a takeaway. My heart's desire is that as you go through your week that you would see how much God loves you and how much God desperately loves everyone around you, especially the children that we're going to help on Saturday and Sunday as a church and as a community. But I pray that as you walk from this place this morning that you would sense the presence of God speaking to you. Man, I love you this much. This much. Can we close in prayer this morning? God, I really believe that this was a divine appointment for many people in this room today, Lord Jesus. For them to come to an understanding of how much you truly do love them. Despite all of our difficulties, all of our failures, all of the things that in the past would somehow negate your love towards us. At the same time, God, you do, you passionately love us and I thank you for that, Lord. And I'm just praying this morning, Lord Jesus, that God, for each person in this room, that not only they would sense your presence in this room, but God, from this day forward, they would embrace your love. And God, they would also embrace the not-so-nice things of this life so that, God, they could understand that they can make a great difference in this world. That, God, you have called us to be to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Father, we're praying, Lord Jesus, that you would use us to make a difference in this world. God, we love you. We thank you for how much you loved us and that you first loved us. You're such an amazing God and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can be your friend, that we can be close to you, that we can sense your presence. And we just pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you shake somebody's hand today. Bless them. Say, I'll see you Saturday at 1 or Sunday at 1030. Lord, bless you guys. Thanks for coming to church today.